Welcome to Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing the region's economy. Today is Wednesday, August 31st. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined once again today by Partnership Senior Vice President of Research, Patrick Jankowski. In this episode, we're talking about gasoline prices and the changing dynamics affecting what we're all paying at the pump. Patrick, thanks for joining me today. AJ, it's good to be on again, and uh, it's good to be back in the office. For those who don't realize, I just got back from a cruise, and boy, am I relaxed. Well, that's good because uh, we, we, we need you relaxed for these things, right? <laughs> um, we're talking about energy. We're talking about gasoline prices, and things have been a little rough over the last few months. But you know, the summer driving season is over. What are consumers seeing at the pump right now? Uh, AJ, actually, we're, we're in a period of declining prices. Uh, we've actually seen gasoline prices decline over the last 10 weeks. Uh, they, they peaked. They peaked in June. Uh, they, they peaked at about $5.11 a gallon on a national basis. And uh, when I pulled up to the pump, I'm paying $3.99 now a gallon. So we've seen gasoline prices drop uh, over a dollar a gallon just in the last two months. So it's it's nice after all the bad news we've had about inflation in the economy. It really is nice to see gasoline prices going down. Yeah, I think we can all breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief there. You know, we talked before, we've talked previously about the impact of the Russian invasion of Ukraine and how that has affected global energy prices. I would have thought that that may have kept prices higher for longer, considering that conflict is ongoing. It seems logical that the fact that Russia is still invading the Ukraine and that we have sanctions on Russia, that that should have an impact on gasoline prices. The initial impact was psychological. There's so much uncertainty out there and the psychology of what's going to happen with the economy and also over the sanctions. We actually saw that the price of, of gasoline jump uh, over a dollar a gallon over a period of just a few weeks back in in March, but it's kind of settled down. Uh, for one thing is the, the sanctions have not had the sort of impact we thought they would have. There's a report that just came out from the International Energy Agency that said that uh, Russia's production is only down by about 300,000 barrels a day from where it was prior to the, to the invasion. Uh, also, the Russians are, are somewhat cheating or they're getting around sanctions and selling it to people in India and China at a, a deep discount. But also one of the problems is, is the assumption that the invasion of the Ukraine had the single biggest impact on gasoline prices. Uh, there are so many other things that go into affecting the price that we're paying at the pump, not just an invasion on the other side of the ocean. So, you know, there are a number of dynamics at work in the U.S. right now. More people are working from home. Uh, certainly, uh, higher gasoline prices may have affected people's uh, willingness to go on, you know, extended summer vacations by road this year. Uh, what are some of those factors and how are they playing into the dynamics of gasoline prices? Are those affecting prices? Okay. For one thing, let me, let me back up just a little bit. And there's this assumption that crude affects gasoline prices. And yes, it does. But everyone needs to realize that the cost of crude that gets refined in the gasoline is, is only about half the cost of what you'd be paying at the pump. Hmm. There are costs that you pay for refining and profits, the distribution, marketing, federal and state taxes. I'm mean, going just kind of give you some idea. At $4 a gallon, only about 58 cents of that is going into profit and refining costs. You've got another 60 cents, which are going into the cost to distribute and market it. Uh, state and federal taxes could be another 65 to 70 cents. And the crude itself is only about $2 of that $4. 
And so uh, the cost of crude has the biggest impact on what's happening with prices. You have to understand that even a crude drop down to well under $50 a barrel is where we saw it in the early stages of the pandemic. We're not going to see gasoline prices drop significantly because there's all these other costs that are baked into it. That said, yes, I know that's a long-winded answer, but you need to understand there are, uh, there are probably about a dozen different factors at least which affect the price of gasoline, and the biggest one being the price of crude, and you have to back out from that. You need to look at economic growth. You need to look at expectations for growth. You need to see how much crude is being consumed globally, what production levels are like, what inventory levels are like, what OPEC's doing with its production, what the countries outside OPEC are doing with their production, whether OPEC has any spare production what Saudi Arabia decided it's going to do with this production, you know, what's, whether people are speculating in crude, uh, whether there are any supply disruptions, uh, geopolitical events, all those different things go into the pricing of crude. And it's the price in crude that does have probably the biggest impact on gasoline prices, but not the only impact. Yeah, that's a long-winded answer. Can I go on a little bit longer, AJ? Are you, are you ready? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think the, it just goes to show you that we, we think that there are just a couple of factors influencing this, but you named you know, a dozen or so things that affect what we all pay at the pump, right? Yeah. One, one of the, probably the biggest factors is just what's happening with general economic growth. If the economy is growing, we're going to be consuming more energy. We saw a significant drop off in March and April of 2020 when the economy shrunk. We saw consumption drop of, of fuel, uh, liquid fuels by over 20%. But now they've, they've gotten back up to just about pre-pandemic levels. You know, it's only in the last few months that we started hearing this weakness in the U.S. economy that it, we've seen this kind of drop off in consumption is drop off in prices. Probably one of the biggest factors though is, is what are the expectations for growth? You buy crude now because you're gonna need to refine it later on to put it in the gas tanks, to supply the diesel, the aviation fuel, so forth. And if, if you go back to a year ago, we're expecting pretty robust growth this year. We were seeing the economy, the global economy growing at about 6%. We're seeing the US economy uh, growing around the same amount, but that has slowed down. The expectations of growth are not as strong as they used to be. Uh, if you want to get some idea of what's happened, we're looking at growth this year of only being about globally about 3.2%, next year less than 3%. So as the economy slows, either the U.S. economy or the global economy, that's going to mean less demand for fuel, or maybe not less demand for fuel, but you're not going to see the growth in fuel demand as much. That's going to affect prices. Uh, if you look at global consumption, we're just about back to where we were at pre-pandemic levels, but not quite there. If you want to look at global production, global production is also a little bit below where it was pre-pandemic. You know, so we're actually in a situation, there's a situation where we were consuming more than we were producing. So what happens when you, you consume more than you produce? We're seeing having to draw down inventories. And these are all the sort of things which were supporting higher crude costs. And the higher crude costs were then feeding into gasoline costs. I mean, think about it. There was early on in the pandemic, when we saw the demand for crude drop by 20%, uh, something had to give. OPEC pulled back their production by 8 million barrels a day. Hmm. And so uh, that helped stabilize the market somewhat. And OPEC has been slow to put their crude back into the market. They were putting it back. They're almost back to where they were prior to the pandemic. But they were only putting 400,000 barrels a month back into the market. They did not want to uh, put so much on the market that it depressed crude prices and sent, uh, and sent oil prices down. And also, you know, we should never underestimate the role Saudi Arabia has. When I said back in the early stages of the pandemic, OPEC pulled back its production by about 8 million barrels a day. Half of that came from Saudi Arabia. Hmm. Saudi Arabia is still the swing producer. If Saudi decides it wants to flood the market with oil, it can flood the market with oil and drive down prices. 
Saudi decides it wants to pull back on production to try to prop up prices, it will pull back on production. The other factor uh, is we actually see a lot more people trading crude now than they did 20 years ago. 20 years ago, when people traded crude, it was it was people making sure they had enough supply for the refineries. Now you have people who are trading crude and they're looking at it as a financial instrument. They're looking at it as if it were a stock or a bond, and they're buying crude futures to later sell uh, at a future date. They're, they're trying to, you know, I think the term's arbitrage out there. They're hmm. trying to make a profit. And whenever you get people who are buying, not as the consumer, but as somebody speculating on it, that somewhat confuses the market signals. But you've got all these different factors which are coming in to affect the price of crude. And so far, those factors have been enough to support the price of crude up until about July. And we are starting to see a little bit of a, of a back off on crude prices. Uh, not significant back off, but we're seeing a little bit of a drop in crude prices. And that little bit of a drop in crude prices is one of the reasons why we've seen gasoline prices slip somewhat at the pump. And so to kind of put a fine point on something you said earlier, if we're forecasting slower growth nationally and around the world, can we expect a continuation of the decline in gas prices? Yes, we can. And what you're going to see is uh, Saudi Arabia and OPEC is going to try to act like the Federal Reserve in, in the U.S. You know, the Federal Reserve is controlling interest rates, is raising interest rates to try to slow down inflation. You're going to see Saudi Arabia and OPEC will perhaps pull back a little bit on production to try to make sure they keep prices up. They're going to try to, I wouldn't say manipulate the market, but try to control the market. And they're going to be trying to balance that with what they see for global growth. Uh, there are a couple of things out there that are, are big unknowns that could affect the, the future price of, of crude and therefore gasoline. And that is Europe is, is trying to pull back on consumption of Russian crude. And they said their sanctions are going to be placed, but they're not going to be fully in place till the end of this year. And so the question is, is will Europe be able to pull back? And if Europe stops buying Russian crude, I'm not sure how they can. Hmm. That's going to have an impact on prices. There's also geopolitical events out there. I mean, if you want to look at over the last 20 years, some of the things that have happened, you have to think it would go all the way back to when I was back in high school, the Arab oil embargo sent prices up. Then when the, the Iran-Iraq war in, in 79, 80 sent prices up, then Saudi Arabia decided it wasn't going to be the swing producer in the early 80s. And they flooded the market with crude and sent the price down. Uh, the global financial collapse back in, in 08, 09, reduced demand. So there are all sorts of other factors that, you know, the black swan events, the pandemic we just went through that we're still in early mm -hmm. on was a black swan event. So those are all sort of things that you can't really plan for, but it could have a potential upside or downside on prices. But probably the one I'm concerned most about right now in the short term is what's going to be happening in the Gulf of Mexico. Because you have a, a strong hurricane coming to the Gulf of Mexico, you have to have people leave the platforms, shut down production. You can damage the pipelines. You know, there, were, there have been in the past where we've seen as much as a million barrels a day of production come offline because of hurricanes in the Gulf of Mexico. And if the U.S. is only producing 11 or 12 million barrels a day, you're looking at removing uh, 8 to, to 10%, roughly, of U.S. production. So there are all sorts of other factors that could come into play that could affect the supply of crude and therefore affect prices. Yeah, we have we've had a relatively calm hurricane season so far, but we are also uh, in the middle of what is typically the most active part of the season for the Gulf of Mexico. So let's keep our fingers crossed that we don't see anything major. You know, AJ, trying to pro project or try to predict crude prices is almost like trying to predict a hurricane or predict the weather. There's so many unknowns out there. One thing which is not getting enough play in the media, I should say play, it isn't getting discussed, is, you know, we're still trying to negotiate with Iran 
on a nuclear deal to try to get them to open up their sites to inspectors. And one of the bargaining chips is will allow them to sell their crude on the global market. If we ever reached a deal with Iran and we're allowed them to sell the crude on the global market, that could throw easily another million barrels a day into the market. So a million barrels a day into the market that will depress crude prices, which would depress mm. gasoline prices. Now here, I, I'm sitting here in my office in downtown Houston talking about crude prices. And one of the challenges we have in Houston is we really want crude prices to be high enough to support Houston's growth, but not so high that they stifle the rest of the U.S. economy or they stifle the global economy. So yeah. we're trying to find that sweet spot right there. The sweet spot, you know, right now it may be a little high crude prices. You know, we're, we're doing well. I could see them maybe slipping a little bit more. I could see them going up a little bit more. I don't right now see them going back down below $70 a barrel, but nor do I see them going up to $120 a barrel. We really would like for crude to stay somewhere between $90 and $100 a barrel. If they stay between $90 and $100 a barrel, we're probably going to see gasoline drop maybe a few more cents, but we're not going to see it drop dramatically. We're, we're going to stay a, above $3.50 a gallon at the pump for quite some time. And I need to add Energy Information Administration based in Washington does have a forecast for gasoline prices, and they think gasoline prices will average about $3.60 a gallon next year which means we might see gasoline prices, prices of the pump drop maybe another 30 or 40 cents, but we probably won't see them drop much more than that. All right. Patrick, before we continue, I want to take a moment to say thank you to our Bayou Business Download sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for helping make today's podcast possible. Learn more about Fifth Third Bank and the services they provide at 53.com. That's the numbers 53.com. So Patrick, if the price of gasoline is so closely tied to the price of crude, why are we not doing more domestic oil production and kind of keeping some of that reserve to ensure that we have stability in gasoline prices? Well, part of the challenge is it comes down to our refineries, especially those here on the Gulf Coast. Uh, they need to realize we have not built a refinery in the U.S. since 1977. We've upgraded, we've, we've modernized but we haven't built a new one. And not only that, we have reduced refining capacity. Over the last three years, we've cut back refining capacity in the U.S. by over a million barrels a day. So that's one of the challenges. If you have less capacity, it's more difficult to get more crude onto the market. But the other big issue is that our refineries are not necessarily configured to the sort of crude that we produce in the U.S. And they said, how can that be? Well, back in the 70s and 80s, when we were building refineries and retrofitting refineries, we thought that the U.S. was playing out in crude. So we, we retrofitted our refineries and got them to take a lot of heavy, thick, high sulfur crudes, crudes from places like Venezuela and Mexico. You can't just put any old crude into the refinery. The refineries are engineered to take a certain sort of crude. You can blend those crudes. But the issue is, is that our refineries are not necessarily to handle the sort of crude that we are producing in abundance out in West Texas. Got it. So what we're able to do is produce that crude and we sell it on the overseas market and make money that way, or, or, or we, we blend it with other crudes. But it's not as simple as just saying, produce more domestic crude and refine it. Uh, the, the other issue is there's a, a lot of things going on in the oil and gas industry, which are affecting the ability to drill and produce more. Uh, for one thing is for the longest time, the oil and gas industry was borrowing money on Wall Street to continue with their drilling programs. Hmm. And Wall Street got tired of that and say, uh, we don't want you to increase production, believe it or not, we want you to increase profits. And so a lot of the money they're making from the higher prices right now, they're using to, to return money to the investors and to buy back shares. 
And some of that money is going in, into uh, environmentally more friendly forms of fuel. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why it's not as simple as taking these extra profits. Uh, and, and the other is, there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. If you say, yeah, let's go ahead, we'll go ahead and build another refinery. A lot of people think we're not going to be consuming fossil fuels in another 30 years. And so why build something that is going to take you 30 to 40 years to get a return on your investment when you don't know whether you'll be able to get that? And I mean, we could be looking at significantly less hydrocarbon fuel consumption 20 years from now, and it might take you 20 years to even get that refinery built. Got it. So really, uh, the long game is, is extremely important here. Yes. People forget the oil companies lost an awful lot of money two years ago. They really struggled in the early part of the pandemic. I imagine if you tried to even it out over time, maybe the profits aren't quite as high. That may sound heresy to anybody who lives outside of Houston. But they have one, they have an obligation to their shareholders. And the obligation to shareholders is to return some of the profits to the shareholders. They also have an obligation to the shareholders to make sure the energy company remains an ongoing and viable concern. One of the ways to do that is to explore other options, options outside the oil patch. So some of the money is being poured into that. And also they are putting some of the money into exploration and production. So it's not as simply as taking all the profits and applying it back in. There are all sorts of different calls on that cash flow. AJ, there's one thing out there that's a big unknown. And it's, it's getting a lot of play finally. We hear about the, the gas crisis that's going to occur in Europe. And by gas, I mean natural gas, not gasoline with Russia cutting off deliveries of natural gas. Some of the places in, in Europe, some of the utilities and some of the industrial processes can switch from natural gas to fuel oils. And so that's another big unknown. Uh, if you look at what's happened with natural gas prices in the US and we're, we're seeing natural gas prices go up enormously, that's gonna eventually come back and affect uh, our ability to heat our home. It's gonna affect our industries here and it's gonna affect uh, electricity prices. And so maybe on a future podcast, you and I need to do some exploration of what's going on with natural gas, because that's big, a big unknown. And, and that has probably as big an impact on Houston and the rest of the US economy as oil prices. Got it. Something for us to explore in the future for sure. Patrick, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. It's an important topic. Hey, Jay, thanks for having me on. And I'm hoping that our, our loyal listeners are, are getting value from this. So thank you very much, guys and gals. All right. And that's going to do it for this episode of Bayou Business Download. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so via your favorite podcast platform or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. There you'll also find links to recent data and news updates and learn how you can get more involved in the work of the partnership to make a difference in Houston. A special thanks again to our sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for helping make this podcast possible. And thanks again to you for listening to Bayou Business Download.